Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, about a year and a half ago, I came across a poll of 20,000 people, and this was in the United States, by 20,000 at random. And the question is, if you had to lose one of your five senses, what would you least most want to lose? 70% said sight. Would you put yourself in that 70%? I mean, just, just think about it. No longer being able to see your friends, your loved ones. No longer being able to experience you know, the beauty and the grandeur of God's creation. I did some digging and I found worldwide 39 million people in this world have been born blind. 39 million. Now for 2023, they're projecting that number to be even higher because the 39 million was a study of four years ago. But just think of that. It was different being blind back in the time of Jesus. At least today you have social services, you have braille, you have family and friends to, uh, to help you with this disability. But in Jesus' time, and this is where we're going back to the gospel lesson, the blind did not have braille. They did not have social services. The best that they could hope for was perhaps maybe a family member willing to take them to the corner so that they could beg for food and other necessities. And even worse, in Jesus' time, if you had a disability like this, it was because you deserved it. That was the prevailing thought at that time. If you had a disability like being born blind, and scripture has several others, it was because you deserved it. Now, some say that, you know, there must have been a sin in the past that you've become blind, or perhaps something your parents have done that made you become blind at birth. But this is what is going on in our gospel lesson today. And it's interesting that this man who was born blind is ignored by everyone around him except for one. And I think we all know who that one person is. Everyone ignored him 
and the prevailing thought that he did something wrong. Boy, I'm sure glad that that's not the prevailing thought that we have today, that God is punishing us for our sins. But wait a minute. This thought is actually very much alive. And well, in our society today. We ought to know better as Christians. But we're sinful fallen human beings. And so when troubles and problems come our way, what's the first thing we do? We ask and we pray to God, what did I do to deserve this? What sin did I do? It's interesting, though. I have yet to see the reverse of this. Um, how many of us, when we've received a raise at work or a promotion, prayed to God, Dear God, I didn't deserve this promotion. Why did I get it? Lord, you've blessed me with an excellent tax return this year. I don't deserve it. Why did you give it to me? We don't hear that, do we? No, it's always the other side, the negative. And so when we have problems, financial stresses, problems in our relationships, in our marriages, and even when there seems to be an abundance that many people are enjoying an abundance and I'm not, it's easy to think that God is out for us. And so I think in a lot of ways, we fit the group of people in Jesus' time. You know, Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. And so that same thought that was prevalent then is prevalent today. But yet Jesus addresses this. And he addresses this because of, I think, this one point is that he knows how we think in this fallen world. And he knows that we need to be reminded of our purpose in life and the love and the grace that we have in Christ. Now, in a lot of Bibles, John chapter 9 opens up. There is a section, you know, a lot of Bibles above the chapter have a section uh, title and I think most Bibles will have it, Jesus heals a man born blind. But actually, in our verses today, we actually find a lot of blind people. Well, who are they? Let's start out. The first group of people, the disciples. The disciples asked, well, what did he do? What did his parents do for this man to be born blind? We read in the beginning, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So right away, our text points to the fact that the disciples are asking or are linking Sin in this world 
to a condition that we are born with or a condition that we have later in life or our troubles or, or anything that happens. It, now, they may be indirectly tied, but to say that God purposefully caused this because you're a sinner is absolutely ludicrous. Because then, and I said this, you know, a couple months back, what would you say to the families who lost homes in an earthquake or a flood or other disasters? The disciples here were quick to go along with the prevailing thought of the day. And if there's just something that we can do then to eliminate this sin, then what? Maybe it won't happen again. We keep reading, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So essentially, what is Jesus saying here in these first few verses? He's saying this. Bad things happen in our lives. And I think everyone in here has a bad story that they can tell or share that they've experienced. But we, we suffer and we go through these difficulties for one purpose, so that the work of God might be done. And what is that work of God? Well, it's God working within one's life so that we can be an example to others. You know, in my many, many, many years of ministry, it, one of the joys I, I have is to be with people at some of their bad times. You know, when they're hospitalized or facing a major illness. And then to see how the Lord uses that to pull families together to pull congregations together, to use that family or individual as a witness of what he can do. And it's the same today. God's plan is that his work can be done through us. And I think Mr. Darso hit it home yesterday in our men's Bible study God wants us to reflect the love that he has for us. That he loved us so much that he sent his one and only son that even though we are a lost and condemned creature, God has purchased and won us from sin and from death. And so while we don't know for certain why things happen to us, we do know that there's a plan behind it. And the plan behind it is God who is working out his will. 
The second group of people we see, or the second blind person we see, is the actual person that Jesus healed. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. You know, I just love Jesus in his way of doing things. I mean, how many of us growing up made mud pies? Um, and how many of us love playing in the mud? You know, our parents just clean our, our mothers just clean our clothes and we come back in and we're dirty. But notice here, Jesus makes us kind of his own version of a mud pie. He takes some saliva, he makes a paste, puts it on his eyes, and tells the man, now go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man did. And he was healed. This healing changes this man's life. No longer can he hear the chirping of the birds, but he can now actually see the birds. No longer can he just hear his family and friends talking, he can now see them. Um, I went on YouTube University. That was a joke. Um, and you can find a lot of things on YouTube University. And there's these special glasses that you can get for those who are colorblind. That when they put them on, they see color for the first time. And just to watch a few of these videos will bring tears to your eyes. Now that, we're not talking total blindness, just color. And, and just to see the joy that was, that's been brought to this person's life. And how could you imagine a man who's totally been born blind, now sees for the first time. I can't imagine. But Jesus is not done yet with this man. Because this man has only received the physical healing, yet his heart has not been opened yet. And so more about that in just a moment here. And so now we get on to this, this third, third group of people Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. This was the, well, first of, verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day in which Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man asked, and I washed and now I see. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Here we have the group of the Pharisees, who are the blind people. The Pharisees here is this group that, you know, from the beginning of Scripture, God promised that a Messiah would come. And these Pharisees, these Jewish people, these Pharisaical people, already believed that their eyes were opened. They already understood everything. They don't need any more understanding. 
They don't need this itinerant preacher to tell them what to believe or how to think. And so they go after this man. Who did this to you? And also, it was a big no-no because Jesus worked here on the Sabbath. And you know, on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to do anything. And so the result here is that now they're accusing Jesus of being a sinner. This can't be. So they finally turned to the blind man and they asked him, what have you to say about this man, Jesus? And the man said that he's a prophet. Ah, the man's eyes are starting, his spiritual eyes are starting to become opened. He's realizing that the person who opened his eyes is not just some guy on the corner, but he's special and he is a prophet. You know, there are 5.4, another statistic I read yesterday, 5.4 billion people on the planet who are spiritually blind, who do not know of Jesus or the love of Jesus. Think about that, 5.4 billion people. Now, let me bring that home. The Pew Research Institute in conjunction with, it wasn't the U.S. Census, a study in 2018 said that Eastern Washington, the Tri-Cities area, almost, almost two-thirds do not believe or have some mixed beliefs about a God. Now let's just say for a moment we're 300,000 in, in the Tri-Cities. Two-thirds don't. How come churches aren't full? Where's the disconnect? I think when Jesus gave the command to go make disciples of all nations, he was serious because Jesus sees a, looks out and he sees a world that is spiritually blind, a world that needs to know about his love and his peace and his forgiveness. I don't know about you, but isn't it refreshing that when we confess our sins to God, we know that as far as the east is from the west, I remember your sins no more. That brings peace to know that through difficulties and trials that God's going to be there and we're not going to walk alone and he's going to walk with us. Yes, we have to endure these difficulties, but God is going to equip us, equip our families to help and sustain and to support. Isn't that peace? The church has a lot to do in its mission of reaching the lost. But I think the first part has to begin with us examining ourselves. Are we a disciple who immediately equated 
this disability with a sin that God is punishing me? Are we a Pharisee who says, I know everything. I don't need to open up the good book. I already know what it says. I only need God when I, when I need him. Otherwise, I know he's there for me. Which group do we belong to? Now, here comes the miracle, I think, of this whole gospel lesson. Up until this point, the man's heart, spiritual heart, was just beginning to turn and to come and to, to come and to see the light of day. Verse 36, Jesus says, Who is he, sir? The man asked, Tell me, so that I may believe in him. So in other words, Jesus, after he found out the Pharisees threw this man out, Jesus went and sought him out. And he found him. And he asked him point blank, Do you believe in the Son of God? And the man said, well, tell me so that I may believe. Jesus doesn't have to tell him anything. He, he says, you have now seen him. In other words, the one who's standing right in front of you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. Yes, we can get so caught up in our bad days. But we need to remember that these are happening so that the works of God can be displayed through us to others who need a word of reassuring, who need to know who Jesus is. If you look at it that way, that it's a privilege to be used by God. It's an honor. It's a blessing that God uses me to touch another person's life. So how do we look at life different, seeing life in a different way? Yeah, we're gonna have our downtime and our problems, but God is doing amazing work through us for the sake of others, so that others may believe and have life in his name. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.